Chapter Twenty Six of the Four Feathers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Lewis. The Four Feathers by A. E. W. Mason. Chapter Twenty Six. General Feathersham's portraits are appeased. Lieutenant Stutch, though he went late to bed, was early astir in the morning. He roused the household, packed and repacked his clothes, and made such a bustle and confusion that everything to be done took twice its ordinary time in the doing. There never had been so much noise and flurry in the house during all the thirty years of lieutenant stutch's residence his servants could not satisfy him however quickly they scuttled about the passages in search of this or that forgotten article of his old travelling outfit stutch indeed was in a boyish fever of excitement it was not to be wondered at perhaps for thirty years he had lived inactive on the world's half-pay list to quote his own phrase, and at the end of all that long time, miraculously, something had fallen to him to do, something important, something which needed energy and tact and decision. Lieutenant Stutch, in a word, was to be employed again. He was feverish to begin his employment. He dreaded the short interval before he could begin, lest some hindrance should unexpectedly occur and relegate him again to inactivity. "'I shall be ready this afternoon,' he said briskly to Durrance as they breakfasted. "'I shall catch the night mail to the Continent. We might go up to London together, for London is on your way to Wiesbaden.' "'No,' said Durrance. "'I have just one more visit to pay in England.' I did not think of it until I was in bed last night. You put it into my head. Oh, observed Stutch, and whom do you propose to visit? General Feathersham, replied Durrance. Stutch laid down his knife and fork and looked with surprise at his companion. Why in the world do you wish to see him? he asked. I want to tell him how Harry has redeemed his honor, how he is still redeeming it. You said last night that you were bound by a promise not to tell him anything of his son's intentions, or even of his son's successes, until the son returned himself. But I am bound by no such promise. I think such a promise bears hardly on the general. There is nothing in the world which could pain him so much as the proof that his son was a coward. Harry might have robbed and murdered. The old man would have preferred to have him commit both these crimes. I shall cross into Surrey this morning and tell him that Harry never was a coward. Stutch shook his head. He will not be able to understand. He will be very grateful to you, of course. He will be very glad that Harry has atoned his disgrace, but he will never understand why he incurred it. And, after all, he will only be glad because the family honor is restored. I don't agree, said Durrance. I believe the old man is rather fond of his son, though to be sure he would never admit it. I rather like General Feversham. Lieutenant Stutch had seen very little of General Feversham during the last five years. 
he could not forgive him for his share in the responsibility of harry feathersome's ruin had the general been capable of sympathy with and comprehension of the boy's nature the white feathers never would have been sent to ramelton stutch pictured the old man sitting sternly on his terrace at broad place quite unaware that he was himself at all to blame and on the contrary rather inclined to pose as a martyr in that his son had turned out a shame and disgrace to all the dead feathershams whose portraits hung darkly on the high walls of the hall stutch felt that he could never endure to talk patiently with general feathersham and he was sure that no argument would turn that stubborn man from his convictions he had not troubled at all to consider whether the news which durrance had brought should be handed on to broad place you are very thoughtful for others he said to durrance it's not to my credit i practice thoughtfulness for others out of an instinct of self-preservation that's all said durrance selfishness is the natural and encroaching fault of the blind i know that so i am careful to guard against it he travelled accordingly that morning by branch line from hampshire into surrey and came to broad place in the glow of the afternoon general feathersham was now within a few months of his eightieth year and though his back was as stiff and his figure as erect as on that night now so many years ago when he first presented harry to his crimean friends he was shrunken in stature and his face seemed to have grown small durrance had walked with the general upon the terrace only two years ago and blind though he was he noticed a change within this interval of time old feversham walked with a heavier step and there had come a note of puerility into his voice you have joined the veterans before your time durrance he said i read of it in a newspaper i would have written had i known where to write if he had any suspicion of durrance's visit he gave no sign of it he rang the bell and tea was brought into the great hall where the portraits hung he asked after this and that officer in the soudan with whom he was acquainted he discussed the iniquities of the war office and feared that the country was going to the deuce everything through ill luck or bad management is going to the devil sir he exclaimed irritably even you durrance you're not the same man who walked with me on my terrace two years ago the general had never been remarkable for tact and the solitary life he led had certainly brought no improvement durrance could have countered with a tu quoque but he refrained but i come upon the same business he said feathersham sat up stiffly in his chair and i give you the same answer i have nothing to say about harry feathersham i will not discuss him he spoke in his usual hard and emotionless voice he might have been speaking of a stranger even the name was uttered without the slightest hint of sorrow durrance began to wonder whether the fountains of affection had not been altogether dried up in general feathersham's heart it would not please you then to know where harry feathersham has been and how he has lived during the last five years there was a pause not a long pause but still a pause before general feathersham answered 
not in the least colonel durrance the answer was uncompromising but durrance relied upon the pause which preceded it nor on what business he has been engaged he continued i am not interested in the smallest degree i do not wish him to starve and my solicitor tells me that he draws his allowance i am content with that knowledge colonel durrance i will risk your anger general said durrance there are times when it is wise to disobey one's superior officer this is one of the times of course you can turn me out of the house otherwise i shall relate to you the history of your son and my friend since he disappeared from england general feathersham laughed of course i can't turn you out of the house he said and then he added severely but i warn you that you are taking an improper advantage of your position as my guest yes there is no doubt of that durrance answered calmly and he told his story the recovery of the gordon letters from berber his own meeting with harry feathersham at wadi haffa and harry's imprisonment at omdurman he brought it down to that very day for he ended with the news of lieutenant stutch's departure for suakin general feathersham heard the whole account without an interruption without even stirring in his chair durrance could not tell in what spirit he listened but he drew some comfort from the fact that he did listen and without argument for some while after durrance had finished the general sat silent he raised his hand to his forehead and shaded his eyes as though the man who had spoken could see and thus he remained even when he did speak he did not take his hand away pride forbade him to show to those portraits on the wall that he was capable even of so natural a weakness as joy at the reconquest of honor by his son what i don't understand he said slowly is why harry ever resigned his commission i could not understand it before i understand it even less now since you have told me of his great bravery it is one of the queer inexplicable things they happen and there's all that can be said but i am very glad that you compelled me to listen to you durrance i did it with a definite object it is for you to say of course but for my part i do not see why harry should not come home and enter in again to all that he lost he cannot regain everything said feathersham it is not right that he should he committed the sin and he must pay he cannot regain his career for one thing no that is true but he can find another he is not yet so old but that he can find another and that is all he will have lost general feathersham now took his hand away and moved in his chair he looked quickly at durrance he opened his mouth to ask a question but changed his mind well he said briskly as though the matter were of no particular importance if stutch can manage harry's escape from omdurman i see no reason either why he should not come home durrance rose from his chair thank you general if you can have me driven to the station i can catch a train to town there's one at six but you will stay the night surely cried general feathersham it is impossible i start for wiesbaden early tomorrow 
Feathersham rang the bell and gave the order for a carriage. I should have been very glad if you could have stayed, he said, turning to Durrance. I see very few people nowadays. To tell the truth, I have no great desire to see many. One grows old and a creature of customs. But you have your Crimean nights, said Durrance cheerfully. Feversham shook his head. There have been none since Harry went away. I had no heart for them, he said slowly. For a second the mask was lifted, and his stern features softened. He had suffered much during these five lonely years of his old age, though not one of his acquaintances up to this moment had ever detected a look upon his face or heard a sentence from his lips which could lead them so to think. He had shown a stubborn front to the world. He had made it a matter of pride that no one should be able to point a finger at him and say, There's a man struck down. But on this one occasion, and in these few words, he revealed to Durrance the depths of his grief. Durrance understood how unendurable the chatter of his friends about the old days of war in the snowy trenches would have been. An antidote recalling some particular act of courage would hurt as keenly as a story of cowardice. The whole history of his lonely life at Broad Place was laid bare in that simple statement that there had been no Crimean nights, for he had no heart for them. The wheels of the carriage rattled on the gravel. Goodbye, said Durrance, and he held out his hand. By the way, said Feathersham, to organize this escape from Omdurman will cost a great deal of money. Stutch is a poor man. Who is paying? I am. Feathersham shook Durrance's hand in a firm clasp. It is my right, of course, he said. Certainly, I will let you know what it costs. Thank you. General Feathersham accompanied his visitor to the door. There was a question which he had in his mind to ask, but the question was delicate. He stood uneasily on the steps of the house. Didn't I hear, Durrance, he said with an air of carelessness, that you were engaged to Miss Eustace? I think I said that Harry would regain all that he had lost except his career, said Durrance. He stepped into the carriage and drove off to the station. His work was ended. There was nothing more for him now to do except to wait at Wiesbaden and pray that Stutch might succeed. He had devised a plan. It remained for those who had eyes wherewith to see to execute it. General Feathersham stood upon the steps, looking after the carriage until it disappeared among the pines. Then he walked slowly back into the hall. There is no reason why he should not come back, he said. He looked up at the pictures. The dead Feathershams in their uniforms would not be disgraced. No reason in the world, he said, and please God, he will come back soon. The dangers of an escape from the Dervish city remote among the sands began to loom very large on his mind. He owned to himself that he felt very tired and old, and many times that night he repeated his prayer. Please God, Harry will come back soon as he sat erect upon the bench which had once been his wife's favorite seat and gazed out across the moonlit country to the sussex downs End of chapter twenty six